Uh, good morning. I'm Mark Symes. Uh, at age 25, I made the most important decision a person can make, and it was about Jesus Christ. I decided to make Jesus my Savior and the Lord of my life. That was 35 years ago. In 35 years, I've heard a lot of great messages, people preaching the Word of God. One of the messages I heard about 20 years ago was knowing, believing, praying, and living the Word of God. And there were so many great ideas in that message, and one of them was about memorizing scripture. And so I started at that time to memorize some scripture. Been doing it off and on for 20 years. A scripture I think that best typifies the value of this for me is Psalm 119, starting at verse 19. Um, Lord, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And uh, so what this is to me is there's a lot of thoughts that we all have going on in our head throughout the day, but the word of God is a very powerful uh, alternative to reprogram our thinking. And if we can memorize scripture and get it into our heads, it will push out all those worldly, sinful, demeaning thoughts that might be going on in our head. So today, it's about James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. So my hope is that there will be power in today's message that will change my life, change your life, in ways similarly to that message 20 years ago. So let's see. Uh, it's about faith and deeds. So it starts with, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, be warm and well fed, what good is it? In the same way, uh, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without action, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham made righteous? by what he did when he offered his son Isaac at the altar. You see, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is not justified by a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to Israel's spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
What a privilege to hear the apostles' teaching directly, directly um, from the heart and uh, tongue of our brother. Thank you, Mark. Father, we thank you for your word. We recognize, Lord, that your word is precious. Where would we be without your word? Father, we ask today that you would speak to each person here, that they may uh, be impacted by the word that you have given us this morning, that we would not be merely hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves, but that we would be doers of the word. So, Father, we uh, ask now that you would speak uh, through your servant here and to each and every heart present uh, the things that you consider most important right now in our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. And the church agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our journey this morning in the book of James uh, in our series uh, called Walking the Talk with Jesus. Uh, James follows from his commands about obeying the word in chapter 1 and his uh, forbidding of favoritism in chapter 2. And he leads into uh, something extremely practical, and that is that the, the faith that we had should, should have should be accompanied by deeds or works. Actually, deeds or works are both uh, English words used to translate the original language there. And so with other teaching from Scripture, uh, we get a uh, very crucial light on what it means, really, to walk with Jesus. James addresses the link between faith and works. In the beginning of the church, this was a very big issue, and it has continued to be a very big issue all the way through, and the misunderstanding that has come up as we recognize we are saved by faith, um, but also that that faith would be characterized by works or good deeds. So I want to take a brief, and I mean really brief, look at the history of this subject in the church, and especially the recent history of that subject, because it has been the cause of much heartbreak, much bloodshed, uh, and much difficulty uh, in the history of our church. And it is actually, failure to understand this has actually created a tremendous amount of harm and difficulty Uh, in the church and obviously in the world. I want to start roughly around 1500. And in 1517, a Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther uh, posted on the doors of the cathedral in Wittenberg uh, the statements, which 95 of them. But what he was protesting was that they were actually selling indulgences, uh, which were... Uh, dressed up ways of people purchasing a trip to heaven for other people based on spending money or sending prayers or lighting candles or doing particular deeds. And he protested against that. And that launched the Reformation and the counter-Reformation by the Catholic Church. And hundreds and thousands of people were killed over these issues. Um, and Martin Luther was right in saying 
as he had discovered in the book of Romans, that we are justified by faith and not by doing works. You cannot get to heaven by works. And so that protest launched a whole firestorm. But it, it kind of died down uh, as the 1700s and 1800s rolled around and the Enlightenment rolled around. But then we came into a period called the Great Divide in the Church. And this was a period where some of the church focused on being justified by faith. And as the gospel became less and less about the kingdom of God and more and more about individual salvation, uh, we had a whole stream of the church that focused on believing the right stuff. That's what's really important. And then another part of the church said, well, actually, what's really important is that we have good deeds. And so you had the split between the evangelical part of the church and you had the split with the mainline or the liberal part of the church uh, trying to serve people with good deeds and over here trying to preserve the message of the scriptures about faith and kind of missing the point that Jesus was making and demonstrating that Paul was making and demonstrating and that James in this text is making and demonstrating. And that led, uh, over the past 20 years, with a number of things, uh, landmark books uh, and activities by uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who discovered that actually we have missed the gospel and we, need, we do need to go to Africa and we do need to drill wells and we do need to feed people. Uh, that's part of the gospel. Another book, There's a Hole in the Gospel, uh, was influential in this time. And so now you see the church, uh, and I'm speaking in general now, trying to wrap their mind around an integrated kingdom gospel that gives the message of salvation, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but also uh, is manifested in deeds, things that actually come out of a life that's changed by a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, James is uh, hammering away on this, and it is something we need to recognize. We need to recognize that it's not okay to say, hey, brother, uh, I see that you're freezing over there, but be blessed and warm and well-fed and send them off. And that is a direct outflow of obeying the word and it's a direct outflow of not being fav- not practicing favoritism. But it's that our, our faith, if it's real, should be leading to changes in our behavior and our activity. And so James is saying if, if you send that brother off without helping them, your faith is useless. It's, it's useless. And so James and Paul, and we'll see also Jesus agree that uh, to leave that the way it is would be sinful. And so in, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul agrees with James. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. In other words, a genuine faith will be a faith that is a true saving faith, will be a faith that results in action motivated by love. In fact, Paul, who you know, has often been misunderstood because when, when we have little taglines like faith alone, you know, some, some of these pronouncements, by itself, that is not meaningful because it's, it's taken out of the Scripture. And James literally says, no, you're not saved by faith alone. 
because he's dealing with what is the question, what is your faith? And we are, we are justified by faith. And Paul's treatise on the justification of a believer by faith, I'm talking about real faith, faith that results in action. Real faith is, is, the, is the doctrine of the justification by faith. And this is really the, the centerpiece of the book of Romans. Well, I want to show you the, the first chapter and the last chapter of Romans because Paul literally... Uh, says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 5. He says, through him, we, through Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that is faith for his name's sake. Now you notice I've got NIV asterisk there because the NIV is slightly different from that. But if you look down in the bottom of your Bible, you will see, you will see uh, a footnote. And it will say, this verse can also be translated, or the obedience that is faith. That's what the original language means. And again, at the end of the book of Romans, in chapter 16, right at the end, verse 26, he says, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that is faith. So Paul is saying that Nothing counts except faith expressing itself through love. Uh, Paul is saying faith and obedience are the same thing. And James is saying you, you, cannot, you cannot be saved by a faith that has no deeds, that has no impact, that has no outcome, that has no flow-through in your life. So we can harmonize uh, Paul and James and, and Jesus, as we'll see, that we are, in fact, justified by faith, but it has to be a real faith. It, it has to be a faith that is not intellectual assent. Yes, I, I agree with that. that. That sounds right to me. That, that is not faith. That is mental assent. In the Bible, the word faith means trusting to the point of obedience. That's what faith means. It means trusting to the point of obedience. It means that it will not only affect your mind, but it'll affect your heart, and it'll affect your hands, and it'll affect your feet. Everything. Everything is affected by faith. And so Paul and James agree that we're saved by faith, and we are not saved by good works. You cannot be saved by good works. You are saved for good works. You are saved for good works so that true faith is manifested in a lifestyle of obedience and fruitfulness. And uh, we can ask ourselves, as we've come into faith, has our life changed? Has our heart changed? Have we become the people of the kingdom? Or are we just mentally agreeing with something we heard a long time ago? And that is the question that James is calling this morning. And Paul really expresses the, in the heart of James chapter 2 uh, right here in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay? That's, that's how we're justified before God, by believing and trusting God. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. No human being can save themselves. 
God's grace must be at work and it must be the initiation of God. Not by works so that nobody can boast. But, watch what he says next. For, because, therefore, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do good works Not just any old good works, but the works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there is a, there is a calling when we come to faith. There is a beckoning from eternity to come and trust and throw ourselves, body, soul, and spirit into a journey with Jesus that is going to be to discern, discover, and obediently walk in the works that he has prepared for us. I had no idea I would be pastoring a church in the United States when I was a vice president of marketing running all around Asia, launching this and launching that and opening and upgrading factories in China. I had no clue what that would lead to. But when I met Jesus, everything changed and After a period of several years, this was obviously to me his calling for me. And so what I can say is, from all of eternity, God purposed that I would be the pastor of this church in this season. Right? And I'm just walking in it, and I'm saying each and every single one of you has exactly the same calling from God to walk in the good works that he has prepared for you to do. And I know many of you are doing that. Now James, as Paul does in Romans and Galatians, uses Abraham as an example of this kind of trusting, obeying, saving faith, true faith, that he was reckoned to be righteous by the Lord Jesus, by God himself. So Abraham left his country and his pagan family and he walked to the, to the land of Israel and he did that in obedience and he built altars and worshipped God. And Abraham believed God's plan for him to have many descendants and that was credited to him as righteousness. And so James says, you see that a person, in, in light of Abraham's example, a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And that includes believing, it includes walking, it includes worshiping, it includes building altars. And in Abraham's case, it included being asked by God to take his son Isaac, his, his only son, his only son. I, yes, he had Ishmael, but Isaac was his only promised son. And to take him on top of Mount Moriah and to bind him up and sacrifice him as an offering. And this, uh, this picture, just imagine what, what is going on here. And here the angel says, hey, you can hold on there, Abraham, because um, I know you trusted God. I know you believe God. And uh, later on, as Abraham would debrief this traumatic experience, the writer of Hebrews would say, oh yeah, it was no problem. You know, what were you thinking binding your son who was promised to you as your inheritance? What were you thinking? He said, I reckon that God could raise him from the dead if he wanted to. So that is 
trusting faith. Trusting faith has inherent risk to it. It has inherent difficulty to it. It has a moment, oftentimes, where you have to walk in obedience to something you don't understand. You know, Abraham could talk all day long about, uh, Dad, I, I don't think it's cool to sacrifice your children. He could have made all kinds of mistakes, all kinds of uh, arguments about this. There are times when we are confronted and we cannot understand what God wants. And we have to walk in the obedience. Whether it is writing a check you never thought you would ever write to a church, or, or giving a car away, or having a foreigner live in your house, or give your bed up so someone can get a good night's rest, or to go through a, an operation or a treatment that you just have no understanding of and that all you know is that it hurts. Whatever those things are, God's calling us to walk in obedience. To walk in obedience. And to cement his argument, James uses Rahab. So Abraham is, okay, he's the patriarch. He gets special treatment. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, we know he's famous. But to cement his argument, James takes a nobody a prostitute, a prostitute from Jericho who sees that God is for real and at great risk to her life hides the spies, deceives the, the king and, and the people running after them because she knew this was the right thing. And Rahab ends up marrying Salmon. They, she ends up being the mother of Boaz. And we're going to talk about the story of Boaz and Ruth as we do Advent this year. Uh, but she walks in that. That's faith manifested in trusting action, even when unclear or risky. And so James says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Faith is trusting and obeying. And the biggest critic ever in the history of the church of the book of James was Martin Luther. He considered it the epistle of straw, and this is how he expresses Paul's meaning in the, uh, uh, about this subject in the preface of his commentary on Romans. He says, Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good things incessantly. It does not ask whether good works are to be done, but before the question has been asked, it has already done this and is constantly doing them. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. He gropes and looks around for faith and good works, but knows neither what faith is nor what good works are. Yet he talks and talks with many words about faith and good works. So faith is crucial, but it must be a genuine, true, saving faith. Now let me look at the other side of the coin. Because in our culture, there's a great amount of focus on good works. I do good things. And the writer of the Hebrews says, <clears throat> no good. He says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, there is no faith unless you 
are believing in the existence of God. There's no faith unless you're earnestly seeking after God. There's no faith um, without that. And no matter what you do, no matter what you do, there is no way to please God without faith. So all of the great people of history who rejected Christ and did great things are eternally separated from God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Jesus says exactly the same thing. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Obedience. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In other words, without a faith that is manifested in an intimate relationship with Jesus, without Jesus knowing who you are, by faith, by time spent with him, by relationship, by prayer, without knowing Jesus, there is no connection. Then it doesn't matter what you do. And if you even do miracles, it doesn't help. It doesn't help because you have to have faith. You have to know Christ. You have to be linked with him. So let's summarize the teaching of scripture between Jesus, Paul, and James uh, about faith and works. Works without faith cannot please God. At the bottom of the page, faith without works is not true faith. And so we're left in the middle between these two common common human beliefs were, were given the truth that true faith always produces good works. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit and a good, fruit, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A good tree always produces good fruit. And so this is the teaching of Scripture. So let's just pause right there because what I don't want you to do now is say, wow, i got to run out and do more good works, obviously. And so don't run out and do that. Because what I want you to get in this message this morning is what this real genuine faith is. Because that's where everything has to begin. Real genuine faith. And some of us need a dust-up, a fresh, a fresh wake-up call on our faith from time to time. If you're like me, you need a wake-up on your faith from time to time. John Piper says that new birth in Jesus creates new desires, not just new duties. New desires, not just new duties. New delights, not just new deeds. And new treasures, not just new tasks. So what I want is I want to get the new desires and the new delights and the new treasures that we get when we have a relationship with Christ. I want to get those, and I want to walk in those. So what is the key, then, to this genuine saving faith? And James gives us the answer at the last verse. He says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James is a man of the spirit. James was there when the... When the the, the presence of God left the temple and came onto the disciples, where the flame, the pillar of cloud that took the Israelites out of Egypt, 
the flame, the pillar of cloud that was in the tabernacle, the flame and the pillar of God that was in the temple changed address on Pentecost. God changed address from the temple to the people. And James was there. He, he had a flame of fire over him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a man of the Spirit. And he's saying, without that, you have no hope. Without that, there's nothing you can do. And so the Bible teaches that there's must-have for the, for the possession of true faith. And the must-haves, I've put them up here, that, that our spirit is reborn from above. That God has come into our lives and rebirthed our spirit, our, our entire look at who God is, has transformed from the inside out. We see this with Jesus' pronouncement in John 3. But also they have the Holy Spirit living in them as an active, an active part of life. Like God cannot move into a human being without the human being knowing. You know. You know when God begins to change and transform your life from the inside out. Your desires change. And then they have the Holy Spirit's fruit Galatians 5, and the Holy Spirit's power, Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And finally, they are led in everyday daily life by the Holy Spirit. It's the only way to have a life-giving, action-filled faith is the Spirit. So for the rest of the morning that we have together now, we're going to talk about getting a hold of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have some ministry time where we can ask for the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, and more. Paul expresses it well in Romans 8. He says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Life! Life happens. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you follow your fleshly desires, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now he's talking about power. Power to put to death the stuff that is not of God. And then for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And you know if your life is being led by the Spirit, day in, day out, you know you're a child of God. And so this is the key. Now, there's all kinds of objections to this. There's much demonic and humanistic objections to the Father's plan that we trust Jesus and we are powered by the Spirit. There's lots of other competing lies there's the gospel of the good person. I'm a good person and that results in faith that is defined by me, not by what I just read in the scriptures. Uh, I believe in God. I believe in God. That is, not, that is not sufficient. That is not sufficient. That's a generic uh, Hail Mary, basically. That is not sufficient. I prayed that prayer. Somebody told me to pray a prayer and said that if I prayed the prayer, I would be heaven bound. When was that? 22 years ago. What are you doing now? Nothing. That is not 
what James and Jesus and Paul are talking about. And I do good for God. I even have a bit of a ministry down at the food pantry or over here doing that or whatever. James says, no, 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 no. You believe that there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. They shudder. So these, these are flimsy counterfeits to the real thing. The only way is faith sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you how this works because the truth is is that there's always more. There's always more. I want to tell you briefly the story of Dwight L. Moody, a famous preacher in the end of the 19th century, the late 1800s. He was preaching and preaching. He knew God. He knew God. He had given himself to the Lord. He knew God. His life had changed. He was preaching and hundreds of people were coming to Christ. And one day at the end of a service, two old ladies came up to him in his church in Chicago and they said, Brother Moody, we just want you to know you're not walking in the full power that's available to you. Now, at that moment, Brother Moody could have said, who the heck are you guys? But what happened in that moment was that Brother Moody got on his knees and said, I want everything God has. Pray for me. Please pray for me. And those two old ladies, right in his church, right up front at the end of the service, started praying for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just, not just a little bit, not just a trickle, but rivers of living water, rivers of living water. And he just said, more, more Lord, more Lord. Now that, that is genuine faith because that knows, Moody knew that God was at work, but he also knew there was more. And I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, there's always more. He's an infinite God. He's an infinite God. And we're, 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 we're these finite humans. You know, already just, just to come to know Jesus is like putting a hundred pound bag of potatoes in a five pound bag. But there's more. There's more always available. And so this is how Jesus says it. Look, look, you may not feel like you deserve it. You may still be dealing with shame and guilt. You may be dealing that you're unworthy. You may be thinking, well, that's only for the pastor and uh, the elders and whatever. You may be just struggling with sin in your life. And you may just say, I'm never going to get there. And I'm here to tell you, there's good news, folks. This is not for the super Christians. This is not for the missionaries. This is for every single follower of Jesus to have the entire enchilada of an infinite God at all time, recurring whenever we need it, after we sin, after we struggle, and to be filled with the Spirit. So Jesus, in Luke 11, is teaching them how to pray. You know, confess your sins, ask for the kingdom, glorify God, forgive other people around you. And then he comes to the end of chapter 11, uh, not the end, but the middle, but the end of that section. And in verse 13, he says, and remind yourselves, guys, if you then, though you are evil, he knows we're, he knows we're evil. He knows that we're battling the flesh. He knows that we're going to sin. We're going to fail. He says, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. We know how to give good gifts to our children, don't we? And even though that's true, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So we're going to ask. 
we're going to ask for the more of the Holy Spirit. This is the only way to live the kind of faith that James is talking about, the kind of faith that Paul is talking about, the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about is the Holy Spirit. So the worship team's going to come up now. We're going to have prayer teams. I want to invite, actually, anybody who has been filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, who knows the power of the Holy Spirit, to join the prayer teams this morning. Because we're going we're gonna to seek after God today to get more of the Spirit. So we can obey what James is telling us to obey. You see, we're not going to leave here with a guilt message where you go out and try harder. We're not going to do that. Because that's not what this says. This says we're going to get the Holy Spirit and we're going to be transformed from the inside out and we're going to flow in the power of the kingdom. We're going to be people of the presence of God. We're going to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And here's how to do it. Now, let me tell you, don't enter this, don't enter this uh, half-heartedly because it's going to cost you everything. Jesus is saying, it, it costs me everything and for you to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. What? Here's how you receive the fullness of the Spirit. You invite the Lord to reveal what's in the way. What is in the way this morning of your faith? Are you distracted? Are you chasing after something else that's more important to you than God? Whatever it is, confess it now. Repent. Just say, that's sick. I'm never going to get anywhere with that. Confess and repent of all known sin. Then I want you to go a step further. I want you to turn away from everything in your life that's questionable. Because we love, we're just born legalists, we love to see how I can step up to this far in the line without stepping over. And we end up with questionable things in our lives. Things that are not necessarily directly sin, but it might be, it might be the Bengals. It might, it might be, it might be the Habs. It might be, it might be your kids' sports. It might be, I don't know what it is, but it's things that in and of themselves are good, especially the Habs, but that you are now involved to a point that's questionable. Cut it off. Just cut it off. Stop it. Then give up all rights to yourself. Because you see, when you have the Holy Spirit leading your life, He's leading your life. You're not leading your life anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Dennis who lives, but it's Him who lives inside of me. So you've got to give up the rights to your life. Then you've got to earnestly seek the Holy Spirit. And then, when He starts talking to you, you've got to obey Him immediately. So, there's a lot in the Bible about people who have the Holy Spirit laying hands on people to receive more of the Holy Spirit. This is a repetitious thing. It's not only once and done, but it is available to us whenever we sin, whenever we fall off the, the path, we get back on and we get filled with the Spirit. So I've had prayer for a filling of the Spirit thousands of times uh, since I discovered the Spirit. And, and so this is not one and done. But go to one of the prayer servants who will be around the room. And after you think your way through this and pray your way through this, you're ready. 
Then go, and they will lay hands on you for you to be filled with the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it may not happen immediately. Dwight Moody was alone two or three weeks after the ladies prayed for him, and boom, the Holy Spirit came in power on him, and he knew it. So don't worry if nothing happens this morning. That's okay. Keep asking. On the other hand, don't worry either if something does happen. We've had people praying in tongues. We've had people fall over under the power of the Spirit. We've had people who go home and start having dreams and visions. What the heck is that? Well, it's promised in the Bible. The Holy Spirit will bring dreams and visions. So there's plenty of things that God wants to do. He wants to put new gifting in you. If all of a sudden you wake up tomorrow morning, you have an unbearable desire to teach then that's a teaching gift that's been downloaded by the Spirit. And, you know, Leslie or Paul Rasmussen or myself, if you, if you are desired to teach, then we have lots of places to teach here. Children's ministry, youth ministry. Whatever it happens, just receive it from God. He's, he is uh, not safe. He will do some unsafe things, but he's very good. Right? All right, so let me pray and let's worship. Prayer teams, let's come up. Let's ask for more of the Spirit. Father, we thank you that you've made it crystal clear in here that you want us to have true saving faith that will be manifested in good deeds, that will be the deeds that you've prepared for us from all of eternity. And Lord, there are days when we feel sinful, unworthy, shame, guilt, inadequacy before you, Lord. But we believe now the words of our Master Jesus that you want us to ask for the Holy Spirit and you're going to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can glorify you, so that we can live a life that just shouts, that just shouts love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So we ask for that now, Lord. We ask that you would come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So Dennis, maybe leave that slide. Okay, great. We got that slide up. So as you're ready, uh, come and receive prayer and let's worship God.